0: I think we're still dealing with the bad perception side of it with the parents. Mm-hmm. What we need to teach the parents is, is that it's not what you remember or you think it's not like you're always working in the mud and the dirt and the, and the cold and the, you know, there is so many different opportunities within the industry that you can, you can go so many different directions. And with technology today.
1: Hello innovators, I'm Todd Wyant and welcome to the bridge in the gap podcast presented by applied software. You're invited to join our MEP and construction innovation adventure with a mission to propel this great industry forward. My guest today is one of our favorite past guests, Angie Simon. You go all the way back to episode 31 when she first appeared on Bridging the Gap. She is advisor to the board of Western Allied Mechanical and has been a leader in the construction industry for many years. Big welcome back to the show, Angie.
0: Thank you, Todd. It's awesome to be here again. And I can't believe uh, what number is this uh, recording? Oh, uh,
1: Six, wow. I think, is when this episode's going to come.
0: That's impressive. You guys have been doing this for quite a long time. Good job. Yeah,
1: it's, uh, it's been a fun, fun ride. <laughs> Great. Great. Uh, so going back to episode 31, one of the kind of standout moments from our, our first conversation was you talking about uh, innovation and, and trying to break out of your routine. Do you remember back, at, uh, it was shortly after? a lot of disruption had happened in the industry with COVID to say the least. Yes. Yes. Uh, and so people were having to break out of their, their current routine. And you, you really kind of spun us in a direction to mm-hmm. really focus in on the innovation that's happening in construction. Uh, so would love to kind of follow up on, on that and uh, figure out just a, a, an update over the last couple of years of, of people going remote and people trying to figure that out. What's that been like?
0: Yeah, you know, um, remember in that conversation, I think I talked to you about how I said routine is the enemy of innovation. Yeah, Because <clears throat> that's what we learned, is we learned really quickly that if you get comfortable with what you're doing, then you're just gonna do the same old thing and you're not gonna innovate. And um, the pandemic actually, I there's a lot of things terrible about the pandemic, but it, it also helped us a lot. To a certain degree, it really drove our entire company to paperless. And um, we really started innovating that way. We are we are slowly getting people back pretty regularly um, in the office, but we're being much more flexible because not everybody needs to be in the office every day. Um, sure. So I think that for us, that's been uh, the culture fix, trying to figure out how to work the culture around people being in and out, not all there all the time has been a challenge. Um, but I do think our communication levels have been better because we do things like all hands meetings on Zoom so that even our field folks who are, You know, two hours from the office and they finish their day at at three o'clock, they can get on a a four o'clock Zoom from home or whatever and listen to the all hands meeting. So the communication side of the of the innovation of the Zoom and Teams has been really great. Um, We also continue um, our we're moving our shop, actually, the first time I've been in that same building for 35 years. But we're finally we finally we're in four buildings because we've outgrown our everything and our shop is so crammed in everything. So we are moving our shop in about three months and we have some great new machinery Uh, innovation wise. We've got um, a a 3D welding machine for our uh, pipe shop. We've got a beautiful laser machine now. And we just can't wait to innovate within our new shop because now we can lay it out how we need to. We have a 110,000 square foot building. So we're really excited about how we're gonna use innovation in that. We've been looking at new programs, I know we, there's a number of them that we're looking at right now. So um, I don't know if I need to, I don't know if you want me to say them, but so I think it's really going to be exciting to see where we can go with the, with the shop. The, the goal there is to be as productive and do as much prefab and, and um, modulization as we can in our shop to be able to deliver things to the field, just in time when they need them.
1: Mm-hmm. So. That's awesome. Love hearing that. And you just finished your, your term as a SmackNet na- national president as well too. any, kind of standout moments and and things that uh, that experience really taught you?
0: You know, it was a great experience. I'm now the immediate past president for SMACNA. Um, I am the first ever two-year president because of the pandemic. Um, I didn't get to travel in 2020. You know, I I went in in 2019 in October and then part of my and half more than half of my year was kind of disrupted. So they asked if we if our whole exec board would stay one more year. So we all did. Um, so I, in the second year, though, in 20, the end of 2020 and 2021, I did get to travel quite a bit. And it was very interesting going around to different areas, visiting, visiting different, sh- you know, smack the branches, shops or, or their getaways and having conversations with everybody. Um, I think we all an- noted that working remotely was working, but people were worried about culture and how to make everybody feel welcomed when they're not always there. That was one mm-hmm. of the concerns probably the number one concern going around the country was workforce development. How do we get enough people in our industry? Because um, everybody was pretty busy. I mean, the pandemic did not seem to affect the construction, at least on the MEP side, that much. We all seem to bounce back really well and, and they're building buildings. And um, so I think there everybody's a little worried. There's a lot of mega projects coming up in the in the United States right now with some um, large battery factories being built and um, and server you know, data rooms and things like that for some of the different companies. So they're worried about getting enough people to, to, to be in the union. And we also have seen a lot of the retirement from the union, so of the old, of the 55 or so above. So that was the number one probably concern when I went around the nation.
1: Yeah, so what's to be done with that? It's a huge problem facing the industry. And I know a lot of people talk about the, the skilled labor shortage uh, ad nauseum probably does some people, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. what, what are some actual practical steps and, and application that the people can do to really address the problem? Cause it's a problem and it's only getting worse.
0: It, it is, you know, I would say there's two steps, two things that can be done. And, and the first one I'll talk about a little bit because I'm very involved with Smackna and smart, which is a sheet metal industry in regards to during the pandemic and during the race, the, a lot of the race trials that we had during that time, um, there were a number of job sites that had nooses on their job sites and everybody realized, wow, this industry really needs to pay attention to diversity, equity, and inclusion. So um, one of the things we need to do to make this industry more a better place to work and get more people in it is to be more inclusive. We really have to work at being inclusive first and then diverse after that. And so one thing would be, let's make this industry more welcoming, more inclusive. The other one is we've gotta somehow get the word out to the youth about what a great opportunity it is to work in our industry. You don't have to necessarily go to college to work in our industry. I mean, the trades are a wonderful place to be. Um, in, in the California of course, we're, of course, we always cost more and everything in California, but you're making six figures when you're a journey person in the trades. And if you're working 40 hours a week, you're making well over six figures. Uh, and well at you know mid six figures and it's just an, it's a great industry we nowadays with technology it's not nearly as physical as it used to be so how do we get the word out that's the key and i i actually um i kind of got tired of talking about it and so so my my partner he's our president at western allied he and i were talking he has four boys and his oldest was at the time maybe 13 but he's just not super inter- into school and, but he took a welding class, an arts welding class in Oakland before the pandemic hit and he loved it. So my partner, Zach, got him to go take some welding from our shop uh, super, our shop foreman in our piping side after school, after work and after school they stayed and did some welding. And it was amazing how much he loved it. And, he, and, I, and I said to Zach, you know, we should, we should run a summer camp because we're right next to East Palo Alto which is a very underserved area. And he goes, yeah, that's be great, but I don't have time. And I said, well, you know what? I don't care that I'm busy, I'm gonna do it. <laughs> so I put a business plan together and presented it to my partners, told them I thought we needed to spend like 30 grand to have this camp and they, then to their credit, they all voted yes, let's do it. Um, and I was lucky enough, this was in 2020, lucky enough to mention it during our SMACNA virtual conference that we had that year and on a round table about workforce development. And I had um, two partners jump in, um, my peer group member Hermanson up in Seattle, Rick Hermanson and Jana, his daughter who works with them, were very interested in joining and being part of that movement. And so was Western Washington SMACNA. And so we ended up forming the Heavy Metal Summer Experience Camp. Um, And we had that in our shops in in Seattle. They had 12 kids. And in in the Bay Area, I had 16 kids summer of 2021. And um, all my kids were from East Palo Alto, they were um, very—they were good, good mix of minorities. We had one white kid, and we had, a, you know, either <clears throat> brown or black. The rest were uh, were minorities and Hispanic or black, and six girls. And they—it was twelve sessions. It was six weeks, and uh, the kids just loved it. Um, it was a great experience.
1: Applied Software believes that heroes are built. The men and women of construction are those heroes. In an effort to honor the dedicated workers who build our infrastructure and future, Applied Software is seeking to shine a spotlight on construction by providing lunch to lucky crews as part of Food Truck Fridays. Want your company spotlighted? Enter to win lunch on Applied by following three easy steps. Step one, post a picture of you and your crew on LinkedIn. Step two, tag applied software in your post step three use the hashtag heroes are built your crew just might be selected to be part of food truck fridays that's awesome so what then really is the the heavy metal summer or experience heavy metal experience summer camp is that the official? we call
0: it it's heavy metal summer experience okay and um so that that was such a great experience for us to have that camp and to run the camp and you the kids we had so many volunteers a lot of our project managers volunteered we had the kids come in and they basically we gave them an intro of safety the first day but they come in from two thirty to 5 when our shop hours were over and so and then we had shop sheet metal and piping guys were volunteering to be instructors they made a, a lamp out of copper pipe they learned to solder and braise we made we made a dustpan and a toolbox and a pooper scooper out of uh, sheet metal and they learned how they they program things into the laser to cut things out um the kids we broke them into two groups of eight and eight and they and they just they wore their safety glasses the milwaukee tools stepped up that first camp and they donated all the ppe so we had vests with milwaukee tools and gloves and then the Milwaukee Tools also gave them a tool bag with an impact drill and a battery and all kinds of tools to take home with them when they graduated. Um, I also raised money that first year to get them red wing boots. So we had their red wing boot truck come by the first day. So they got safety boots. Um, so we didn't charge anybody for camp. Um, it was free camp for the, the students. And we g- gave them a lot of stuff to go home with. They got a couple of t-shirts and boots and tools. Um the kids, it was just wonderful. The kids were so engaged and really loved it. And actually, um, since then, they, they were juniors, they were sophomore, junior, seniors, but the ones that were eligible to work, there was probably about between us and Hermanson, there was probably about eight kids that were eligible to work.
1: Mm-hmm. And we
0: got, I think five or six of them are already working in our trades. So ah, I have, well, I I have one them, yeah, I have one of them. That's working. good odds. <laughs> yeah, they, they they were super interested. So <clears throat> we decided to put a playbook together Um, when the camp was over, we put a playbook together to try to explain everything we did because we'd like to encourage other contractors or or training centers, for example, to go ahead and and run the camp. So we put together, you know, every liability form, every release form, our permission slips, we did a, a chronicle of what we did each day and we gave them everything we could. And, you know, an 80 page, 90 page playbook we put together and we started telling people the story. We have a, a video about it that, and actually, we have now since then incorporated uh, its Heavy Metal Summer Experience into a nonprofit, and we have a website hmse.org. Um, but we, so last summer, the first summer, we had 28 kids. This summer, we have 11 locations across the United States, and we have 180 kids. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Wow! Just in one year, that that growth. That's awesome. And, and, so are more partners then coming into play and, and really taking absolutely. up that mantle?
0: Yeah, absolutely. There's a couple, couple key ones. Um, DeWalt also stepped up. So the nice part with 180 kids is I needed 180 tool bags. Yeah. So Milwaukee and DeWalt are sharing that. We give them we assign different camps, one's a Milwaukee camp, one's a DeWalt camp. So we we appreciate that partnership greatly. Um, we also have um, we, for example, Procore has stepped up and they donated, We they've donated 20 grand for us to cover the boot costs for the kids in the camp um, wow. across the nation. Um, we've yeah. got Mestec Machinery stepped up and donated money for us to build the the medals, the uh, graduation medals that we make out of stainless for the kids. And um, we've got, you know, SMACNA and MCA both have stepped up and donated money um, to us and helped. And then the biggest one is Black & Decker Stanley has, a grant program right now. They they know how important workforce development is, and they had last year they set aside twenty five million to give out over the next three years to help with workforce development. So we applied for the grant and got a fair amount one hundred forty thousand dollars to help us incorporate and start this nonprofit. And we're, the intention is to hire a, a person. Um, right now, I'm kind of playing <laughs> playing that role, but um, w- but I have a lot of help with other people too. So. But it's, uh, there's been amazing amount of partners that understand how important it is to get kids into the trades. Our unions are also been a great partner as well, both the sheet metal and the piping.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. And if people are, are listening and want to lend their helping hand, how do they get involved in it?
0: Well, um, I would say the easiest way is I reach out on our website, which is at hmse.org. Um, and I've got an email address on that website. That's the only email is me. It's angie.simon at hmse.org. But we, we can certainly, I mean, particularly if you're interested in running a camp. The other thing is if, if, you, are, um, if you are like, for example, a nonprofit that has kids, high school age kids that you wanna get into something like this. We've been working with the Boys and Girls Clubs. In East Palo Alto, we have a group called Live in Peace that has been wonderful, but they focus on East Palo Alto kids. But um, there are many different types of foster care system, um, you know, Big Brothers Big Sisters. We're anywhere we can get the kids. We can get them from schools too, but the nonprofits seem to be a little more used to this. They they really want to get these kids. Need you know attention, and I think they focus on it. And they've been a great partner for us. So um, we are looking for finding kids as well as you know in different locations. But I currently have camps in uh, one in Massachusetts, one in Boston area, uh, one in Alabama, one in St. Louis and then two in LA, four in the Bay Area, and two in Seattle. But uh, I have That's a awesome. lot. No,
1: it's pretty spread out across the country.
0: It is. And I, I have, but, but there's a lot of areas uh, that I know that want to run camps next year. And I'd like to get them, you know, camps in Atlanta and Minneapolis. And, you know, I, there's a lot of areas I'd like to get in New York area. We'd get like yeah. some more camps. So.
1: Awesome. And thanks for calling out Atlanta. I'm going to shame uh, my fellow Georgians here. Come on, let's step up Actually, <laughs> let's you know what? here in Georgia.
0: <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure I got a, a call from uh, uh, RF Knox is a, my peer group and, uh, and he's his son works for him now. And John Allen called me and got the playbook and they're very excited about doing it next year. So we got to get nice. some good. We need some in Atlanta. That would be good. So,
1: yeah. So getting the, the hands-on experience, I think that's huge uh, to, cause you know, with shop class being taken out of schools yeah. Where do high schoolers go to, to get what is actually happening in the trades to even know that that's a possibility and an option out there for them? What, do you, what have you seen uh, the high schoolers really kind of resonating to and getting excited about when they're you know, getting that, that hands-on exposure in these camps?
0: You know The interesting part is a lot of them just say they've never even knew about this. They, they enjoyed making the different projects that they were doing. They go, well, we never even heard about this. Um, I think it's really the best kept secret. I mean, I don't, unfortunately, you know, I think back when I was a kid, which was a long time ago, but there was shops in high schools, you could do auto shop or wood shop. And at least you learned what a hammer was and all that type of thing. Yeah. And these kids just don't get that nowadays. So, um, it talks about how, I mean, and it talked, we talk about how you can build a foundation by working with your hands and learning these things. You also go through your apprenticeship while you're working. So you're, you're actually getting paid. You're working. And you're going through the apprenticeship, and and um, sometimes there are evening classes, but a lot of times they're like two weeks at a time, and then they and you so you're working for an employer. They let you off for two weeks, and you go you go on unemployment for two weeks. You take the apprenticeship, you come back, and you do that three or four times a year. So the the learning side not not a huge lot of heavy lifting. It's focused, Mm -hmm. Um, and I think I just think that the kids are finding that it's a lot more fun than they ever expected, and um, it's a great experience for them. there, but, but, you know, it's also important that they learn what they don't like. And, you know, we, we didn't, not every kid that was eligible to work even wanted it. There was a couple of kids that said, you know, this was great, but this is not for me. That's what we want. Because, you know, Todd, the average age of a kid getting into our uh, sheet metal apprenticeship right now is 27 years old. Wow. They roam around and don't know what they want to do with their life. And they finally realize around 27, they want to get in the apprenticeship. Well if you get in the apprenticeship at 18 or 19 instead how much more use you, your pension plan you save for your retirement and everything. And you you can be, you, by the time they're 27, they've been a journey person making great money for at least five to seven years. So
1: yeah. It's pretty yeah good. I think moving that forward, that, that decade, that's huge for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah that's awesome. Uh, so, well, I, we, we talk a lot about on the, um, bridging the gap and just in the industry, kind of this, the misperception and, and the, the negative, kind of stigmatism and and looking down on the traits. But what I was thinking when you were talking about that they just don't even know is maybe it's not necessarily as much of the, the misconception negative perception of the traits now, as much as it is just total um, ignorance (laughs) (laughs) of just not even having, it's not on anybody's radar at all. They don't have a positive or a negative. They just don't know about it.
0: I think that's the way it is for the kids, for the youth, for the under 30. I think they just don't know about it. Yeah. I think we're still dealing with the bad perception side of it with the parents. Mm -hmm. What we need to teach the parents is, is that it's not what you remember or you think it's not like you're always working in the mud and the dirt and the, and the cold and the, you know, there is so many different opportunities within the industry that you can, you can go so many different directions. And with technology today, um, you know, we, we need people who know technology and, and, and these kids nowadays are growing up with a, well, they're born with something like an iPhone in their hand, practically. Right. Yeah. I mean, they're going to know the technology. They're going to be able to help us with that. Um, So I think, I, I think that's, that's the important part is that the getting the kids to know about what it is, because I'm afraid everybody, all those kids at that age want to go be video game designers. And, um, but there's not enough jobs for that. And, and, you know, we, we in the camp try to have we talk about piping. We talk about sheet metal in our camp, and we that we talk about service and how you can take care of units. Mm-hmm. Um, we show them what detailing is, which is drawing in three D. Um, we we try to share all of that so that they can see all their different opportunities. There's, you know, air balance and, and um, uh, testing, for example. I mean, there's a lot of different things they can do in the industry. Um, and you know, people, when you think of a plumber, I mean, the perceptions are usually not the best. And <laughs> And if they only knew, I mean, the, our plumbers are doing things, our plumbers and fitters are doing things like, you know, high pressure, high, high, you know, like labs and they're doing, you know, uh, uh, CDA and good, you know, they're doing great, interesting stuff in labs and it's not just plumbing and, and watching, you know, putting a stink down a toilet. Right. Right. <laughs> uh,
1: so leaning into the parental angle of it, did you have to, uh, uh-huh. You know, go about convincing a lot of parents to expose and send their kids to the camp, or was that not really a a part of this whole process?
0: Well, I think um, because we dealt, we we worked with the the nonprofit in our area. Um, mm-hmm. They know those kids needed direction, so they pushed those parents to get the kids in there. I will say that it, one of the things that helped in our first camp and, and is really great is. uh, the lady that is the director of our of the live in peace she said many parents need those kids to work during the summer Mm -hmm. so she said so they're not really high on them going to a camp even though it's all free and they get all this stuff because they they need to work so she went to a a supporter of their nonprofit, a developer who's very high on the trades and she got that developer to donate a thousand dollars per kid so he donated sixteen thousand dollars for our camp and they got a stipend so every time they show up they got money and by the end they got a thousand dollars so the parents it was a win win the parents were like okay yeah. go ahead but then we got them all to come to graduation and we had speakers and we talked about and we had a huge barbecue and so they, the parents came out and i think their eyes opened up a little bit when they heard the speakers talk about the opportunities and you know my my superintendent he's been he started at western Alley 2 months after i did and i've been there 35 years now and um, he's worked at the same place for 35 years and you know they think they think about you're not going to be unemployed a lot as a construction worker but most of my my Field have been with us for have, for a long time, and they're hardly ever unemployed. I mean, they even then we we keep them busy all the time. So, yeah. um, you know, I, there was one young lady who um, whose mom is a was a this is up in the, the Seattle area, but his, his her mom was um, a housekeeper and her dad's a landscaper, so they're both pretty blue collar. And part way through senior year in high school, she started getting a little bit depressed because she didn't know what she wanted to do, and she didn't really want to go to college, and she didn't feel like she could be successful at college. So she, her mom said she had gotten, she was just not her daughter anymore. She was getting really depressed. She got into our camp and her mom at graduation came up and was telling the story about that. She's got her daughter back now. And she started crying, thanking us for having the camp. And her daughter has now been working for Hermanson up there in Seattle for almost a full year. And that's awesome. uh, I mean, and it changed her life. I've got videos of her driving the forklift and lift. And uh, she works in the shop and she does a lot of the material handling and everything else. So. Um, that makes you know if I can save one kid every summer, and and we're doing more than one kid. If we can save one kid every summer and get them into our trades and and, and help their life, I mean it, it's worth it for us.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So how do we go about as an industry really kind of locking arms and getting that message out to people that that haven't heard it?
0: Well, <clears throat> first off, I felt kind of strongly that um, as a union contractor. Um, many of us, many of our contractors say, well, it's a union's problem to get us manpower or people power, whatever you want mm-hmm. to call it. And, and I don't agree with that. Um, I think we all need to be involved in it. And so finally I said, guys, stop at stop looking to the union for this. Let's be a partner with them because they can't, I mean, we can offer so much more as a contractor to, to share this idea. Mm-hmm. Um, next summer, we would also like to get the electricians involved in our camps because we'd like it to be the MEP trades. Um, so I actually spoke to a couple electricians in our area and maybe we'll do a We'll add one more week to the camp. So two more sessions and we'll add two sessions on electrical and have them come into our shop and teach electrical. Um, but I've also been contacted by I, I walked a guy around yesterday who and he I toured, let him tour our camp, and he's in the concrete and underground and, and <clears throat> trenching. He does all of that. And he goes, wow, this is great. I have to figure out how to do this for me. And then I've got a couple of general contractors that contacted me and there's, but I said to him, we got to, if you got to make your camp port for what you guys do, not what we do. But I like the fact that we're getting the word out. And that's, um, I mean, I, I'm trying to post, i trying to post on LinkedIn and, and, and uh, Facebook and Instagram and, Um, The other key right now is I think we need to post some videos on TikTok because that's where we're going to get the kids. So uh,
1: That's true. You got to go to where they are. I mean, that's marketing 101 there, but you you got to go get in front of them where, reach them where they are. uh, Hey, innovators. Is there a way to prepare your company for successful implementation of technological innovation? After over 115 episodes talking with some of the best minds in the construction industry, the answer is a resounding yes. There are building blocks that you can put into place that will form the foundation for your company to successfully implement technology. I have compiled my thoughts from those conversations into a new ebook simply titled, Foundational Building Blocks for Successful Tech Adoption. You can download the ebook for free at our website, bridgingthegappod.com. After you have, I'd love to hear your feedback. As always, keep innovating.
0: Our group, uh, we're working hard at this. We we have been overwhelmed at the amount of support and, and desires to to have these camps and, and the attention we've gotten. We really didn't expect it to take off. So um, my guess would be next summer, we might be 20 to 25 camps and 400 kids and So it's so exciting, but it's a little overwhelming. So I'm working hard on (laughs) trying to get us a maybe hire a full time person and and get this thing rolling. Even yeah, but
1: um, well, it just shows the the hunger and the desire that is truly out there. You know, people are are interested and wanting to to know more about it even if they they don't know that they are right now
0: (laughs) you know and and i think getting our counselors in high schools on board to the fact that there are other options in college is going to be important as well Mm -hmm. so um I, i i don't know you know there's a lot of ways to hit that i know the unions have been working on that i think what we need to do is try i've been trying to get like for example there's a high school here in our area that is the continuation high school so you know, typically if the kids don't make it from the main, they go to the continuation high school, Uh their principal came to our graduation last year and was just thrilled that we were doing this because he gives, he goes, we have a lot of great kids. They just don't have the desire or opportunity to go to college. And he goes, this has given them a career. So, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. So what makes you so passionate about the trades?
0: You know, I I love the industry. Um, It's been 35 years at Western allied and additionally one year before that. And um, just, I see the, what the trade, I mean, one, it's great to be able to say I built that. I mean, that's fun. Cause I'd be able to go drive around a building and say, that was my building. Um, I've been in it long enough now that I did that building and I'm redoing that building now. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of a, that's kind of makes me still big. my building. <laughs> yeah, But I, I just think it gives everybody such an opportunity. Um, I'm real proud of the work that we do in the trades and, and the, and the quality of the work we do. Um, I think it's a great, I think it's a great career. Um, I wish, you know, we need to focus on making that career a little more diverse. And that's why working with the underserved areas is great because we're going to get some more diversity into our trades. Um, You know, when you ask our apprentices how they came into the industry, 95% is word of mouth. And a lot of times it's your cousin or your nephew or, you know, or your niece. So that's why getting the word out about the trades is important. So we can get other people to understand how great a place it is. And um, my, my push with has been to make it more, a more inclusive place. Um, I, I was kind of a unicorn in the, as a woman coming through and ended up being, you know, president and CEO of our, of a hundred million dollar company was a mechanical company, particularly you didn't see that very often. Um, but boy, right now you look at our company and how diverse we are and how many women we have involved and, and different and the diversity. It shows that we can, you can do it that you can have a very diverse company. and. Um, I think we, I think it helped a little bit for me to get around the nation and talk to different contractors, but, um, it's, it's going to be a slow process, but I think we'll get there. But, um, Mm -hmm. I just, we have to, we have to embrace the next generation and we have to figure out how they think and how we want to get them involved in this and, um, tell them the best kept secret is the trades and we got to get that word out. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Well, as we seek to start landing the the plane here, I'd be remiss if I don't bring up innovation with you. When does innovation move from the buzzword side of things to really being practical in your mind?
0: Oh, I, I would say in my own company right now, um, I mean, we have our DNA and I think I might've mentioned this last time. We have three statements that make us up our DNA and it's dedicated to teamwork um, grounded in care and driven by innovation. And for us, if we're not innovating, I mean, every we're looking for new ways to do things constantly. Um, and so, and actually with a lot of the contractors around, I think uh, they're realizing that, that they have to, I mean, I don't think they have any choice at this point. They, if they don't start embracing some of the changes that are happening, they're just not going to be in the industry anymore. So, um,
1: right. Well, it's a different industry than what it was even oh, 10 years ago. I mean, it's
0: absolutely, radically you know, changed. My first job before I came to Western United, so 36 years ago, we were super excited because we got a fax machine. So that's, <laughs> I've seen an awful lot of change in the industry along the way, but the vast majority of the change I've seen is in technology and innovation. And um, wow, it's amazing. I love to walk around the shop and see how in, how unique and innovative. I mean, even just our wel- our, our welding machine that, for the piping and how quickly it can weld it on 3D access and everything. I mean, and then we, it's just amazing um, watching it. And it makes us better, faster, smarter, and, and less physical for everybody in the shop and the field. Um, and I think um, we can communicate easier. Um, it, the hardest, the one challenge is we have to be able to turn off innovation at night sometimes. And that, I, I think that that is- <laughs>
1: That's just tricky. Yeah, <laughs> that, that, is the is, trick. <laughs> that
0: is a little bit of a challenge, um, more so for me probably than other people. But I um, yeah, so it, but, but it is great. I don't, I think that we all realize that where the next step is is that to, to be competitive in the industry, we're going to have to use innovation. And I'm excited about it. There's a lot of great stuff. Every time I sit on a panel or a group, I mean, I, I, I learn about new things. Uh, you know, you've got Dusty Robotics, which is a little robot that drives around the job site and lays out the, lays out the floor and lays out the walls and, and does it off of your 3D BIM and it just drives around by itself. It's really amazing. Um, seeing that, or you've got, you know, you've got, I think there's a, a robot that comes around and, and puts in all, marks all your hangers and stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just pretty impressive uh, what we can do in the industry now.
1: So. Yeah, absolutely. Well, how do people find out more information and connect with you?
0: So um, the, probably the best way right now is to go ahead and go to my Heavy Metal Summer Experience uh, website. I'd like, I'd like them to visit that. I mean, we, we do have a video on there. And you can check out the what we're doing on that. And um that, that website's the hmse.org. So heavy metal summer So hmse. Um, and um, that's how we get hold of me there. I'm still working at Western Allied part-time, um, but uh, I think that's probably the easiest way to get hold of me. And I, I am still a media past president of SmackDown, but um, that will be over here soon too. So hopefully I can focus on heavy metal. So
1: awesome and we'll uh, make sure to, to link over to that in the, the show notes for everybody uh, so final question for you what does innovation mean to you
0: it means it means uh, changing our industry I mean it means keep keeping our industry relevant and current and moving forward with what we're doing um, I I call it change and innovation is change and if you're not changing you're not going forward so we always need to be looking at innovation um, I, I think um, super excited where we're going with it and, and and i think you know don't get bored you know go look for the next uh, innovation look for the next program that'll help your computers look for the next device that'll help your shops i mean just keep your eyes open because it's always worth looking for
1: mm-hmm. so. awesome well angie thanks again for taking the time to come back on the show and and for all you're doing with heavy metal uh, i think that's awesome i, I love hearing that camping proud to, to get the word the out there and, and help uh, direct people to that anytime. Yeah. Thank you Todd, for
0: letting me tell that story because it is exciting and we really want to get more people involved. I just, we would like to motivate more people to, to, to think of ways outside of the box to sell the industry to uh, what a great industry it is. So let's just share that because it is a great industry. So
1: absolutely. Absolutely. That's a perfect way to, to end it as well too. All right. Thanks again. <laughs> thank you, Todd. And now it's time for my Todd takes from this episode. First take. When you see a problem in the industry, don't be afraid to jump in and take action. I love that Angie mentioned she was tired of talking about the lack of skilled labor. So she stepped up and created the heavy metal summer experience camp to help expose high schoolers to the wonderful world of construction. What a great precedence for others to follow. Second take. In order to bring true and lasting change to the industry, it will take the entire construction village to lock arms together. This camp is a great starting place. I'd encourage you all to go to hmse.org to see how you can participate. Final take, Angie said innovation is the lifeblood of the industry, but the hard part is being able to turn it off at night. And that is so true and important advice Innovation is crucial and amazing, but as with everything, it is about finding the right balance. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you are interested in learning more, you can visit our sponsor Applied Software at asti.com for more information. You can listen to this podcast anytime by simply going to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out our website, bridgingthegappod.com. As always, I'm Todd Wyant, Thanking you for joining us on the Bridging the Gap podcast. Keep innovating. Bridging the Gap is hosted, directed, and produced by Todd Wyant. Edited and produced by Eric Daniel. Bridging the Gap is an applied software production. Copyright Applied Software 2022.